The following program is in no way representative of the high-quality programming usually heard on the Maverick Radio Network. The views expressed and fishing techniques demonstrated are not endorsed by this station. The following is not a news broadcast. Blah, 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 blah. Welcome to the Five Count. Here it is. It's a radio program that you'll hate to love. It's a lovely program. Oh. Yeah. Yes. We're back at the Fireside Studios. Yes, we are. What a lovely time it is to be alive. And with you, Dust. I'm joined by Pastor Tun. Thank you so much. (laughs) You know, unfortunately, I can't. I, well, I mean, I can't. I don't really go by that, but I am. He's I have technically too, been ordained, which is tough. I get emails saying, Reverend, Reverend Dunn, what's happening? It's been this long since you've been ordained. That's ridiculous. Mostly the ladies. Hey, if you need to be baptized, purified in the ton waters. Sure. Give us a call. Give us a call. 507-519-2030. You can call and leave a message on that number. You can leave us just whatever message you want. You can text that number as well. 507-519-2030. That is the five count hotline. Now, normally for a service like that, a lot of places would charge you probably like two ninety nine a minute. Yeah. $12 for each additional minute. That's in the way, way back times though. But we're allowing you to interact with ton for free. No filters. Think about that. Just straight, straight to me. How will they stay in business, you ask? Probably won't. Probably won't. Ton, I got to say, uh, the new studios here. It's all worth it. Uh, I, I'm appreciating the fact that there is a mirror adjacent to me, so I can just look at myself and my big bald head. Yeah, you like that? Like flail my arms around. Yeah. and I'm glad we worked that out. Hey, hey. I always thought I should be staring into my own eyes during this show. Yeah, you should be. Just to kind of get the sense of what the the audience feels when they hear my voice. That makes sense. Well, because most of the time you're looking at me and getting all flustered physically, emotionally, and, you know, that comes out on air, and that's just, you know, you can't keep it together, really. Well. I'm glad we got the climate control figured out. You're looking a lot more dry this time around. You think so? Yeah. Like I'm trying to dry out. Less sweaty. Had a real drinking problem last, over last this time. summer. You just couldn't stop sweating and drinking the last time. It was, but, uh, you know, it was like 80 degrees in here. So I'm under a lot of stress, Ton. 
That's the problem. It's a lot lower. See, here's the thing. I'll I'll let you in on this secret because there are no secrets between us and Uh the five count audience. Ton is always saying like, man, if we ever want the five count to take off, we're really going to have to put the work in. I think you're, you know, kind of dropping the ball. I think what we need to do, we both need to quit our jobs so we can uh-huh. dedicate more time to the five count. And yeah. I said, you know what? I guess that does make some sense. And I'm going to think it over. Yeah. And then finally, I woke up one morning and I was like, Ton's right. Let's do this. Yeah. I'm going to quit my job. He's going to quit his job. We're going to dedicate our entire lives to public radio. And we're going to make this thing work. And <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> And then I come in the next week, and I'm like, hey, Ton, I quit my job. Let's uh, get down to business. And then Ton's like, you thought I was serious? Yeah. So I he, said, oh, so, uh, I, I, I didn't quit my job. I mean, I, I wasn't expecting that you'd quit your job. And well, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, so here we are. <laughs> Joke's on me, I guess. Wow. Listen, you are a real entrepreneur. You know what I mean? You're a real man. You took that jump right off, right off the cliff. You took the leap of faith, right? You expected well, me to, to cradle you all the way. Yeah, that's the thing. I thought I would I just, have a ton parachute <laughs> on my way down, but turns out I forgot my chute. Yeah. Ah, what a bummer. Well, I'm sorry about that, but, uh, you know, here we are. Son, we are here, and we've got a very special guest on the program tonight. Do we really? It's a big-time uh, kind of show, one of those shows for the ages. Oh, really? Well... I'll just let you know that on the program tonight, exclusive interview with Fred Thomas, former Whoa. bassist for James Brown and the JBs. Yes, dude. That is awesome. That also most certainly means that the music is going to be top notch. Well, and that's always the tricky part. It's like, how do you fit in enough music for a James Brown themed program yeah, you just in just don't. two hours? You can't really. I mean, Fred Thomas, we're talking... The payback. Yeah. Hot pants. Yes. Uh, he's got doing it to death. Dude. Tons of mantra. I got ants in my pants and I need to dance. Yeah, dude. Yes. This is it. Fred Thomas on the program tonight. That's greatness. I'm excited about that. I'm glad. I like this idea. Maybe we should hear some music and then we'll come back and we'll check those want ads. Yeah, let's do it. Get back. Pay back. Pay back. 
Blessed love to all the people. I am Jimmy Cliff. You are listening to the Five Counts. Stay tuned.
talking I mean mellow They're giving me the fever Like any other fella The hot pants I dig it wide and walking I mean mellow They give me the fever huh. Like any other fella The temperature's going up A pop give me a fit huh. The feeling I'm getting huh. Just won't quit Hot pants Yeah! Hot pants. The girl on the bed. Hot pants on. Fellas! Fellas! I wanna talk about the one over there. Can I talk about the one over there? The red dress over there. Sit down. The girl with the pants on. Move around. drummer that used to play with James Brown and you're listening to the Five Count Show. Ain't it funky? A one, two, three, four. 
Hey, we're back, son. Oh, yeah. Get on the good foot, would you? I am so ready to get on that good foot. Fred Thomas, bassist for the JBs on the program tonight. That's really cool. You know, the uh, JBs, obviously, they're um, getting up there in age. Yeah. So we're trying to get uh, these guys on the show. Before they just say, forget it, I'm busy. Yeah. And sadly, some of the ones we've had on the show, like... uh, Jabal Starks, mm-hmm. Clyde Stubblefield, they're no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was quite a few guys in the JBs, right? There's quite a few. Yeah, well, there was this several iterations of yeah. the JBs. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know how we're ever going to. I mean, I know we were really working on the whole Prince thing. We've interviewed a lot of people that have played with Prince, but the JBs, I don't even know if you could get it complete everyone. I don't know. We've gotten about half a dozen. Yeah. That's more than most. It definitely is. Ton, speaking of more than most, your calves are just like outstanding. <laughs> Thank you so much. I never realized. I've never sat that. at a table this low before. I've never really? noticed. Wow. Is this what was hidden under the console this whole time? Yeah. And I usually wear pants. Man. In the new studios, I just don't. <laughs> well, we are at the Fireside Studios, so. Oh, man. Do whatever makes you feel good. Hey, you know what? I've been thinking lately. What do you think about uh, MIDI controllers? I'm for them. Are you for them? That's it. Have you used one? No. Does you think anyone listening has used one? Do I think anyone's listening? That'd be a better question. Okay, well, thanks then. Appreciate it. Uh, do you want me to record something like yeah. we could maybe hear yes. on Miami Vice or yes. what? Yes, dude, yes. All of those are answers correct. Yes. Okay, well, 100%. Maybe, maybe uh, next month and maybe like for Halloween, we'll get that figured out. Make some spooky right. sounds. Love this idea. Thank you so much. Ton, I got a message. From who? John in New Ulm. Really? He sent a message to the Five Count Hotline. Said, please, for the love of God, I need to talk to Ton. Really? And I said, Ton's busy. I'll give him a message. <laughs> John from New Alm said this. What? Okay. He said, you think John Cena character dies in Suicide Squad movie, but at the credits, you see him in the hospital. Spoiler alert. Usually you can't see John Cena, but apparently you can after the credits in this movie. <laughs> Did see Hour of Marvel movie Shang-Chi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks good. Hey, what did one strawberry say to the other one? No idea. It's your fault. We're in this jam. We're in this jam. What up? What a guy. Hey, P.S. Saw all of Shang-Chi today. Is good. If you like bad movies, watch Dom DeLuise and J.J. Walker, an old movie, Going Bananas. I think I've seen that. John, that sounds dynamite. I think I've seen Going Bananas. It was like a lot of years ago. What so? What is the other Shang Chi? I'm not sure if I, I think I've seen trailers for that. Is JJ Walker in that film? No. We almost had JJ Walker on this show, mm-hmm. but then we didn't. I don't know that I'm familiar with the character of Shang Chi. Sounds it's probably like a, why they want you to watch the movie, though. Is that where we're getting to now at this point with the Marvel films, where we've run out of reboots and reimaginings of Spider Man and x-men so now we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here for all these characters that nobody ever remembered yeah well 
I mean, I think some of the Marvel films are the only ones making any money, so they've got to obviously continue to try to release Marvel films. Yeah, but do you remember Shang-Chi? No. Did you collect a lot of Black Widow comics? No. Or like, I don't even know who some of the other ones are now that are getting their own series, but I would say uh, Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, that's obviously a very popular film. Yeah. But why? I collected comic books as a kid. Never heard anyone ever say, you know who my favorite superhero is? Black Panther. I love Shang-Chi. Never heard that stuff. I never heard that either. But. So are we just going because it's a Marvel film? You know who else is a Marvel character? Howard the Duck. Really? We had him on the show. Yeah, we did. God, we're such trendsetters. Wow. So, well, I mean, I think there's a difference. I think when, you know, we're not really talking about comics anymore. And I think just on the movie, the movie holds up to its own merit kind of thing. You know what I mean? So, like, Black Panther, the movie was awesome. It was pretty cool. Pretty pretty awesome. I've never seen it, but I'm saying what would prompt someone to go see it in the first place if they hadn't heard the word of mouth? Uh, it's probably the same as any as just any movie. You know, they see the trailer. They want to be entertained. They think that looks cool. It's got some of the other guys that I'm familiar with in it. Let's just go watch it. And then they're like, hey, that's really awesome. Now we got to buy all the toys. Huh. We need to set up some kind of deal like that for ourselves. It's just straight marketing, you know. That's what it is. I don't know, man. I mean, I like Black Panther. I thought it was great. That's good. I've never seen it, like I said. But Well, maybe take some time. Check it out. You maybe know? you should. Uh... Whoa. Exactly. <laughs> Ton, is this um, holy water or just regular type church water? Um, That's from the drinking fountain out there. So, I mean, you know. They don't have holy I don't water think it's been dispensers, or if no. you, can you just throw a blessing down on the entire like plumbing system, and then it's all holy water from here on out, or how does that work? I don't know. I mean, I couldn't do that. How much mileage can you get out of a single blessing? Also, I'm not Catholic, so I don't do any of those things. Well, I'm just asking. I have no idea. Does it cancel out at midnight? Stroke of midnight? It's um, no longer blessed. I don't think so. I don't know. I can't really answer those questions. It. Yeah, just keep drinking it. Is I thought it, you were a reverend. If it quenches your thirst. It quenches my thirst, like, literally, but not in the figurative sense for learning about a higher purpose. Mm. Oh, I think you need to seek that elsewhere. Not and, not on public radio? And not, not from a cup of plastic cup of water, maybe. I don't okay. know. <laughs> I don't know. Don, do you know that we've got a voicemail? I did not know that. Should we listen to you it? You usually send these to me. I didn't get one this time. Well, now we're just going to listen to it in real time, like right. uh, actual radio programs. Love this I used idea. to be in the biz, you know. Uh-huh. Hey, hey, it's Nikki. I was just calling uh, to let you know. Uh, well, I'm a little behind on the five count at the movies, but I did make it all the way through Twister's Revenge. Uh, yeah, I don't really have much to say about it. There was some funny parts, but... Definitely. If I wasn't watching it with you guys, I would have fast-forwarded it or maybe even stopped it. Ooh. I'm not sure. So, anyway. Oh. Ooh. Well, what's that now? Hey, there's that redhead in the yellow dress. She's still running. Oh, she's going. Oh, I think she's going to Hardy's. <laughs> maybe she's doing a Hardy's by foot tour. 
I don't know. Anyway, on to the next movie. Bye. That was my favorite part of that film. <laughs> the woman running to the various Hardys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That, that was, is uh, Hey, what's that? That was Nikki Strudel Dong. <laughs> Going to Hardy's. Wow. Nikki, we, that's great. You know, I'm very uh, flattered that you watched that entire film just because we were involved. But uh, don't feel like you have to do that. But, uh, you know, I appreciate that you did. Um, Twister's Revenge is one of those tricky ones. Because when you just look at it or you look it up and you see the premise and all the pictures of the monster truck and everything about it and you're like this has to be awesome right that basically has to be has to be awesome and then you watch it and you're like this is really not awesome at all it doesn't make any sense you know what's awesome well actually what's not awesome at all ton but it's kind of awesome what we just recorded and released a new episode of the five count at the movies yeah we did where we watched a film called surf two yes and YouTube shut that down real quick. Wow. Because there's too many boobies in the movie. Oh, man. So YouTube said, no dice. <sighs> so then we had to self-host it and just post a link to our lovers on Patreon. Yeah. Because YouTube said, no way. So, Nikki, if you're out there and you click the link because you want to watch it and you have some kind of problems, please just message us really quick. You know, Dustin can figure it out. Um, we'll just send you a copy. Yeah, and it's not like... I mean, it's just campy 80s movie type boobs. It's not It's not really... It's not like gross. I mean, I don't want to like deter Nikki from wanting to watch it. You could watch it with your son, I guess, and it, was, it wouldn't be too weird. Yeah, it's not It's not really that bad. It's kind of odd. There but, was some hairy uh, butts. Yeah, there's, a, there's an equal amount of dudes' hairy butts in it, which is... You know? it, that might have been what shut it down. Yeah, equal opportunity. And I have to be honest, I think that one was honestly one of the one of the better ones that we've watched on the Five Count at the Movies. Like, I was actually enjoying that film. Finally, after a year. <laughs> yeah. This was I, like episode 13, I, I think. I thought it was pretty good. Finally, Tons found a movie he could stomach. I, 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 I think I liked it. I think I want to say that I actually liked it. Like, I would watch it separately. I liked it enough that I put the actual movie on my Plex server so it's just available to me whenever I want to watch it again. Wow. I hope the Plex server doesn't kick it off there because of the content. Plex is wide open, man. That's what I've heard. Wait, what? (laughs) Hey, Ton. Uh, Fred Thomas is on the program. Yes. He was the longtime bass player for James Brown and the JBs. So he played on all the James Brown stuff, but then he was also like on the the JBs albums and of course did the Bobby Bird albums yeah. and you know, Lynn Collins and all the stuff on People Records and somehow made like 58 albums. Tons of stuff. In like a 10 year period. That's ridiculous. Let's hear the interview with Fred Thomas. Let's do it. Then we'll be back after this. We're on the phone today with the one and only Fred Thomas, longtime bass player for James Brown and the JBs. Hey, Mr. Thomas, how you doing today? Hey, man. How you doing? I am excellent, and it's an honor to be speaking with you. Thank you so much for taking the time with me today. It's no problem, man. You hear me okay? Uh, yeah, I can hear you just fine. Oh, great. That's what I want to know. 
Well, first of all, Fred, can you tell us a bit about, you know, what led you to playing the bass and how you got into music? Well, it goes back to my high school days when I was in school, man. I used to go to school uh, uh, in Washington, Georgia, where I graduated from. And uh, I used to like to dabble up. You know, like, back in that time, they had these, every Friday, they had what they called a chapter program. You know, everybody come up and say their little poems and do their little dance and sing and whatnot. So, Anyway, I was just kind of like into it, like the singing part of it. And, you know, I couldn't really play no guitar, you know, but I could frown a little bit. You know, but I was into the singing part of it, man. You know, so that's what I did. And uh, during my high school days, I, I did frown a little guitar. I didn't know what I was doing to the point that when I finished high school, now I had an acoustic guitar with me. I couldn't play it. Not really, you know. But uh, I moved out and went to Miami. I graduated in 54, went to Miami. And uh, I came, left stayed there for a year, and I left Miami, and I came and went to New York, you know. And so when I got to New York, I ran to uh, my cousin husband who lived upstairs, upstairs apartment. And one day, you know, I had my old guitar out there slamming on, and he said, "Man, let me show you how to play bass. You know, teach you a little bass. You know, he was a professional bass player, so he <laughs> he showed me one tune, man. As up on the roof, don't 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 don't. He showed me that song." And he didn't show me no more. So I learned from there, you know, how to play the bass. That's how I got started. That was like in 66. And you were playing with uh, with Cheese Martin uh, early on too, weren't you? Well, that was my first group. That was the first group. Me and me and Martin, uh, uh, yeah, it was, his name just came, became Cheese when he went on the world with Brown. For Brown, they called him Cheese, you know. But I used to call him Martini, you know, back in the day. But we met, man, at a party. He couldn't play guitar. I couldn't play bass. So we decided we would get together and frame around. So a long story short story, me and him learned together as a team how to play bass. I played, learned how to play bass. He learned how to play guitar. We both was kind of like framers. And, and that's how my first group, you know, came together. Me and him, you know, after practicing every day, every day, every day, every day. You know, and learning songs, thought, got so we didn't know what we were doing and started learning songs. Then we got two more people to work with us, and, you know, we started building them from there on, man. You know, that was like in 66 when I played my first little gig in a club. And the name of our group was called The Slams. So that's how we really got going together, me and Chief. You know, me and Chief was inseparable, man. That's what, actually, that's what, you know, like type of funk that Brown came up with when we joined, joined him was like, was me and Chief's groove, our type of groove, you know, like Boosie. And and his brother, sure. You know when they when they went with Brown, James Brown, uh, Boosie, and and uh, Felt Collins, they played together. They was a bass player, guitar player, so they had their own groove type set. You know what I mean? And with me and Cheese doing James Brown, that was the same thing with me and Cheese. We already had a set in, built in type of uh, relationship. You know, with the with the rhythm and stuff. You know, hmm. so that's how that materialized. You know, when you eventually started playing with James Brown, that was an interesting time for him. You know, his first band had quit, and then, as you mentioned, Bootsy and Catfish, they left as well. And did that add any extra pressure for you going in, knowing that, you know, all these other guys had come and gone? Hey, man, you know something funny thing about that? I never thought nothing about nobody. I was scared of nobody, and I knew what I was doing. And, and uh, for me, it was just another step. You know, I wasn't. I was I wasn't nervous about it or nothing like that. Except my first gig I played, man, you know, and in the end of it all, Brown stopped doing them two hour shows, you know, because we had rehearsal in uh in a small paradise for like a week and quit. 
And uh, so Fred Rush took over, took over Black Apollo. We had rehearsing at New York in the Apollo for uh, a whole week. And the next gig was in Toledo. Now, if you're going to get nervous, that was the time to get nervous when it was showtime. <laughs> when the lights came on, <laughs> and look, I died. I saw about 10,000 people. I said, oh, my God. Wow. You know, and uh, and I knew I had a whole album of music to remember. There was no sheet music, nothing to go by. Everything you did for two hours in your head to be in your head. Man. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you come out butterflies, man. Ooh. When they said, hey, ladies and gentlemen, right about now it's time to dance down, you know. And we were behind the curtain. You know, the announcement, Danny Ray was announcing it, you know, dance down show. And before it started hitting, man, must, but you had butterflies like crazy. I said, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Here we go, here we go, you know. And, yeah. And the day, back up, pound them big man, hit man, them big speakers and stuff. Oh my God, it's on now, you know. But you know, like funny thing about it, I I was still getting butterflies for a while. As soon as you know, as soon as the first notice hit, I was okay. We rolling, no time for butterflies. We got to work, and I'll be fine, you know. That's what the record was. But I was more nervous about trying to remember. All this stuff, man. You know, James Brown got the hits and the stops and the misses and the kicks and all these sickness and stuff. Man, I don't know what he's doing, you know, but hey, man, he put my head to the test. You know, I was fine, though, man. It was crazy. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and around that time, that was such a important time, you know, not just for James, but for, for music. I mean, the, the songs that you guys were doing just in the first few years you joined the band, I mean, those are such uh, important songs, you know, for his catalog. Yeah, man, he got a whole book of that stuff. You know, the music to it and all. You know, the band is about ripping sections, because, you know, and he's a lot of tune. You know, actually, man, see, I I did bass for, uh, not just for James Brown. All the albums that J.B. did, five or six albums, whatever he did with the length of time. And, and, and J.B. himself had five albums. Some of the compilation compilations are part of other albums, but there was five albums that the JB was did. Then that was Len Collins, and then that was Bobby Day. See, I was recording for all four that that uh, those separate groups. All those groups had albums, you know. And on most of them, I did eighty-five or ninety percent uh, of the baselines on all of that stuff. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was a busy body. I tell you that much. You know, but it but it was good. It was good. You know, but when I look back at it, man, I said, wow, wow, man, that was a hell of a hugger. You know, when people think in terms of the JBs, James Brown, JB, then they never really concentrate on Bobby Beard and Lynn Collins too much, you know. But they was an intricate part of it, too, you know, my recordings. You know, some of the, some of the biggest hits. And Lynn Collins had the biggest hit of all, man, you know. As you know, think. You take two to make things all right. That song, man, that was that was that that was my most sampled bass line. I did a lot of sampled bass lines, man, throughout the years. I found out, I recently found out about a year or two ago, you know, about that. We don't go into that, but anyway, <laughs> those big hits, man. You know, some of those big hits that men called about where did. I was up in there, you know, just doing what I do. You know what I mean? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm still doing what I do. So that's 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 <laughs> a big part of this move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it, man it is incredible when you look back at 
you know, all those side projects, you know, and, and the JBs and James Brown. I mean, it was almost like an assembly line. You were doing, you know, one, two albums, uh, you know, probably a month there for a while. Yeah, well, you know, Brown, man, he keep pumping them out. He's pumping them out, man. You know, like we might be at, be at a gig and say, yeah, we're going to the studio tomorrow. I got this guy's song. He's going to the studio, going to the studio. You know, and it wasn't <laughs> for him to break off from the gig, man, and, and we head up to another town or where we're at, and, you know. Or we could record in the town we in. We recorded in the town, you know. But if we wasn't, we could head out somewhere, you know, South Carolina, Georgia, or Cincinnati, or somewhere, California, wherever, you know, just record. And that was it. But I tell you one thing: that was the all of the JB, the DDS man, from '71 to uh, to '76, you know, was was the last. That's when the JBs really ended, you know. After that. Because the players left, man. You know, the, the JBs themselves. I mean, I wish the JBs who record all the music we just talking about now. You know, that was the, that was the JBs. But after that, there was really no more JB recordings. You know, at that time, after that, after '76, that wasn't seen. That was a few tunes scattered here and there, but there was no major, you know, hits. I mean, I think the next biggest hit he did was uh, "Living in America" and Dan, and, and Danny Brown band and record that song. You know. No, he had studio musicians that recorded it. But that was what about the next biggest hit. He had a few more songs, but that was nothing like the JB's days, man. We had that unit, man. It was a tight unit, you know. Well, and I'm taking nothing away from Fred Weston, man. He did a great job of leading his group, you know. He did, you know, go stuff Brown to get him to write. Like, Fred, you go take this and do that, that, that. He gave him some scraps and Fred. So <laughs> <laughs> Fred Weston. He got to, he had to make sense of it. And then give it to her, you know. You know, and he might come out and say, Fred, wait, hey, hey, do it, Fred. You should do it when you get right here, do that. Yeah, yeah, you know. And, you know, it was, it was cool, man. Real cool. So, yeah. Is that what a lot of the recording processes were like? I mean, did you have bass lines and ideas you brought to the studio, or did you just kind of, you know, hit record and, and see uh, what uh, what stuck? No, uh, it was a recording, whatever he wanted. You know, he usually sometimes. He would harm a bass line. And, uh, and the thing about what he harmed to you, you know, you, you can kind of like fix it, you know, to make it groove, you know, because even though it might not make sense to you, you have to find a way to make that sit and groove in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, it might sound like idiotic by itself, but when you put the rest of the lip around it, you know, then you got something else going on, you know, in the horns also. You know, uh, that was, I added to bass lines. You know, now that I did, you know, that you give me a baseline, but I, I add my little thing to it. You know what I mean? You know, I throw my little flavor in there. <laughs> 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 and that, that's what, what made, like, probably a lot of my baseline click. Cause I would, I would throw my flavor in it, man, you know. Like I tell you about me and uh, Cheese Martin Grooves, you know, my, my style of grooving. Cause think about it, when we played cover music back in the days, then, you know, over games, bro. We always try to find a way to make whatever the uh, song is itself. We find our own way to make it better. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. We put our little thing into it to give it our groove, you know. And, and it worked, man, all, all, all up to, to now. You know, I still do the same thing. I have a six-piece band in New York, you know. And so Gabriel is part of it, you know. We've been my guitarist for about nine years, eight, nine years now. Okay. You know, you know, I always say how it's my business, you know, like the bookings and stuff for me and all that. But uh, 
my band, man, it, it's the same. It's the same thing, you know. Like we got a song, we doing a song like this here. Okay, yeah, that is fine, you know. But let's let's put this in it. Let's add this and do that and make it more exciting or something, you know. <laughs> and uh, that's what's going on, man. That's what went on with my bass lines, you know. So far with Brown. And as a bassist, I mean, obviously the rhythm section is so important for the music you guys are making at that time. But and you had, you know, a lot of different drummers you were playing with. What was that like for you, you know, having uh, to develop that kind of relationship with more than one drummer? You know, some, this is a story I tell sometimes. It's a story about playing with two drummers on the stage at the same time. You know, so Brown, he switches off from one drummer to the next drummer sometimes when you feel like it. You want to take it from that drum and get it drum, give it to that drum. The song, that was why the song was going on, I'm talking about now. Not from the beginning. Right. And he just switched drummers right in the middle of the song. Now, I tell people, you know, people never really think about it too much, but, you know, no two drummers play for life. Jabbo and Clyde play just as, just as day and night almost, right? But when, when you lock into them, they both play a groove. You know what I mean? Both play, play yeah. groove, hell of a groove. But when you switch over to the next drummer, you know, the potentiality of one drummer and the potentiality of the other drummer, you kind of like have to let follow suit for that style, you know. So which means you have to let attack your lines a little bit different. You might have to pull it back a little bit, lay back on it and ride on it, or you might have kind of, uh, kind of have to push the drum beat kind of thing, you know. Uh, except for us, like, Clyde played with energy, a lot of energy. You know, he played the one, he played, you know, he was an aggressive drummer. Jabbo was just kind of like the opposite. Jabbo was more of a laid back, deep in the pocket player. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and the way I used to describe that between Jabbo, two of the greatest drummers in the world for them, Jabbo and Clyde is, when Clyde is playing a progressive, aggressive, I just kind of lay back and ride on his beat. You know what I mean? And, uh, and when Jabbo plays, when he's playing, Jabbo plays right in the pocket. He, he just lock it up. Then I just kind of let I can just kind of like poor Jabbo, just rocking right in the corner with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I, I don't have to like kind of like just ride on. I ride on Clyde with Jabbo. I just drop right in there with him, you know. So, and like tunes, man, you know, it, it, it's, but the, 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 the funny thing about the, the audience cannot tell the difference when a drummer switches from one drum to the next drum. So it's up to the band to make that transition in the feel of one drummer and the next drum. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And in, in the band, and James Brown band, especially the JB, we had that adaptability, man, to just, you know, when one come in, or they'll go out, and whatnot, everybody, you know, because we were that close, man. That's why the guy, man, made some of the hits, because that JB band was really spiritual, you know, in that sense. You know, a lot of people thought, well, we spiritual. Yeah, what do you mean? Yeah, but we was, man. We were spiritual in that sense, the vibe, you know, you know, the crawl. We played together, you know, so long and, and we know what it is and what we're looking for. So when something happens here, we know what to do to make up the difference. You know what I mean? Because sometimes they might, so Dan did change guitar players here occasionally later on, da, 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 you know, through the years or nothing. But not, not, not to record, during the recording part of it. But anyway, it makes it different, man. You know, that's, that's how I was able, that's how I looked at it. I never ex- uh, expected or spoke about it to no other, no other people. You know, like in the band at that time, I wasn't thinking nothing about it. But later on, it came up the same question like you had asked me. And then I thought, through the years, I've been explaining that on and off. You know, <laughs> well, and of course, Crazy. the uh, the music that you made with uh, with them, and you know, you mentioned Lynn Collins, and a lot of that stuff went on to uh, 
influence a lot of other music down the road a lot of the uh, hip-hop groups it kind of gave that music you know a second life and i mean you still hear that stuff even coming out today and in, in music on the radio yeah but it's kind of hard to go, go around because brown had a lot of stuff man a lot of uh uh people can whatnot like like sex friends for like michael jackson michael jackson had a whole lot of music a whole lot of that this and that but it wasn't brown had and you know what it is, man? Let me tell you something. You could take one part of Brown's music and actually just by itself, and you could really dance to it. You know, you take the bass line up and listen to the bass line. You could really dance to it. You just take everything out listen to the get up there. You can really dance to it. You, you know what I mean? You, you can kind yeah. of tap your foot to it. There ain't nothing we listen to but James, one of the get up players, you know. <laughs> you could dance. You kind of like, Dance kind of like dance off of that, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, uh, my bass line beating, doom, 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 I mean, a line like that, you know, you, 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 can, you can hear the beat. Even though the beat might not be there, but that's what Brown's music was, the way I looked at it, you know. I mean, you can take each separate part uh, and, and, and play it by itself, and you can hear the groove in it. So you imagine what happens when you put all that together, you know what I mean? Yeah. All that was So that's why I was so easy. To stop a brown music, some of his music, from you know, from all different parts of his weapon. That's why it was so easy, man, for guys to stop him. You know, like a lot of other people's music, you know, their music was just linked up by the book. Brown didn't go by the book. You know what I mean? He didn't write it. He didn't have nobody writing nothing for him. He didn't wrote nothing down. He would give Fred, Fred West a horn line. Fred, write this down. I want the horn. Just like, that's about it. That's about it. Write it down so you don't forget it. You need to do that. But so far as the written session, none of that was never written. You know, and you listen to like Michael Jackson and, and a lot of different artists, man, you know, they music is written. They add verbatim. You know what I mean? They got to follow, follow, yeah. follow through with that. Oh, listen, this is what is written there, man. So this was two plays, that was two plays. See, Brown and Robot, well, what fit together. You know about what sound feels. Together, you know, and, and, and he held each rhythm, each, each part he gave, he held rhythm in it. You understand me? He held rhythm in each part of the rhythm section, and he gave a part to because he gave everybody their part separate. Yeah. You know, you play this here, and you give me a chant, 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 and, and Jimmy, you play. You know, he's giving that for a cheese, you play like. And, and he goes around the board just that way, right? And when he, when he come out, you hear when he come out with three years, you already know. <laughs> 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 it's amazing. You know You know what? Let me tell you something. I haven't, I did interview, but I have never uh, explained it. I mean, just deep into James Brown's rhythm section and, and his band, how, you know, stuff worked, you know, with his music. You know, a lot of people don't, they don't, they don't really go, go that far into it. You know, there's no James Brown band and da da da, so, so, so. Sure. But that's a method to his madness, believe me. You know? <laughs> Fred, I know you played with James for a long time, but um, you kept busy over the years uh, recording a lot of other stuff. And I know you've uh, you mentioned your band you've got now. Can you talk a little bit about that and where maybe the listeners uh, can check you guys out? Well, you know, when Brown died in 2006, before. My band, before Brown, I always I was the vocalist in the band. You know, I was the one who did the singing for me and Cheese Martin days. You know, I taught and played bass from six to six on 
all up until I went with Brown, basically. I did vocals in bands, not just my band, other bands I might have played in after it. But uh, when I got to James Brown, well, you didn't really understand it. I'm going to tell you a quick, a quick story. Like, before I got to James Brown, I was singing. So when I was went with James Brown, he used to be always singing around, you know, on stage when he was sound checking and stuff. I was at strike of a song, I was singing a little bit and whatnot. And then went Brown and checking. But then day, one day somebody said, I'm going to tell him. Is it Mr. Brown? Said, you know Fred Thomas sang. You know he could sing, you know. You know what Brown told him? He said, you ain't telling me nothing. I know Fred Thomas can sing. I know that's what you did. I said, but I must, I don't want him to sing. I'm the singer. I want him to play bass. <laughs> that was the end of my singing days, right? You know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and actually, that's because, you know, like I said, once in a while, every six months, he might call me out to do a song, man, with the band for, you know, for about soon as it, for, for a minute. And as soon as the people started enjoying it, then he'd cut me off for another six months. Blah, blah, blah. Went on like that. But a long story short, so let's do where we're at now. When Brown died in 2006, I still had to make a living, you know. I mean, I still, I didn't get that on that I could do make a living. But that's still what I had to do. I wanted to play. So you wouldn't believe it, man. Up until about seven, eight years ago, I had the hardest time in the world trying to get a band together. You know, that was right. You know, that was, it was stick and, 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 and work with me. Everybody, when I first started off, everybody I got, man, they already know Brown music, you know. Man, I've been listening to Brown all my life. Man, I know Brown. You said this easy. I know this. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I went through that, man, all the way up to about seven, eight years ago. I finally got a unit. That been with me basically. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's wife from Japan, Tokyo, and uh, the trumpet player Tyrone played with the uh, uh, bunch of people. Then he came, and Jim Hill played back with a good old, uh, uh, baby Washington and different people. People just in my band now, you know, as to speak. These people, man, they've been with me. You know, that's why I finally got a band that's consistent and they're there with me. They've been with me for years. But the bottom line is coming back into that. I had I tried to get the band first, and then I had to learn how to sing and play all over again. Because <laughs> I ain't sung and played bass since seventy, sixty, late sixty, since late seventy. Sure. Before James Brown in seventy one, I hadn't sung and played bass all that time up until Brown died. Now here I am. He, he, he ain't like just riding a like riding a bicycle, you know. Again, it's not that simple, you know. Because I'm playing patterns, man. You know, bass patterns, man. And, yeah. and I'm singing. I can sing. It's nothing easy at all. And, and the other hard thing about it is like it's my band, so I do all the rapping, all the bush, bush stuff. Man, I don't say bush. I don't say it on the radio. But uh, <laughs> all the talking, you know, jiving with the audience and stuff like that. So meanwhile, this stuff going on, I got to talk, but I still got to play bass. I got to keep, keep the same bass title going. I got to keep the groove going. Well, I mean, when I talk to you and say, what's up? What you feeling like? Y'all at the party over here tonight? I got to still keep this bass line going. You know, I can't take away for a break to speak natural, you know. So that I had to learn all over again. It took me a while to do that, but there wasn't easy because I'm trying to fight with the band so that different members of uh, people that came into the band that I was trying to deal with to get to get a band. So it was rough, man. You know, it was rough. But I thank God, you know, the people 
been with me for years, man. I've been with me for years, you know, and it makes a difference now, you know. Big difference. So yeah. that, that's how we're going right now, man. Like, I'm looking for my next tour up in New York, uh, around that area in September. Because I'm kind of busy throughout the year now, uh, you know, working with the blues band, going to do some gigs of festival with the blues band, up in Colorado, and in Atlanta, I'm doing some recording with another unit, you know, uh, called Soul de Loon. And uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty good, man. You know, like, I want to make sure you get some of that, that stuff. So I'm kind of like the co-producer on that. But this is in Atlanta, Georgia, you know. And, uh, and the thing about you talking about recording, that it's been rough, man, talking about recording because you got to have somebody to record with you. I, wanted, I tried to record my band one time. I got so embarrassed, you know, that I just left it alone. That one time I had a gig in Philadelphia, one of the biggest most, uh, restaurants, you know, uh, showcases in, in Philadelphia. We played one set. It was so bad, man. My band number just popped out and everybody all over the place said, guy, we played Porter did two shows. We did one show at, at, that night and the report worked the next day. Man, I said, y'all can go back to New York. You know, I, I didn't play no more for about a month. I was done, man. You know, that, that's what I went through with musicians. So, you know, you know, cats falling off the wagon at the last minute. And I met, got, I'm up front, Fred Thomas, Hang Round, Maysville, the JBs and stuff. Please. But anyway, man, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, but it's excellent that um, you're back out there, you know, still playing. And, you know, again, it's been great speaking with you today. I really appreciate your time, friend. No problem, man. No problem. Where you out of? Uh, we're in Minnesota here. You're in Minnesota? Yep. Okay. Okay. That's cool, man. Yes, man. I'm reach out. When I get something to throw your way up, got one of my songs, man. I'll send it up, okay? Yeah, that would be excellent. I, I really uh, look forward to listening to that. Let me ask you something. What kind of music do you basically like uh, uh, feature on your show? Uh, well, we actually do kind of the uh, funk R&B stuff. You know, we've had Jabba on the show, and we had Clyde on the show, and Fred Wesley, and, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Listen, I'm doing this project with, with, uh, with Soul to Loom. That's what I'm saying. I'm working on my own personal album, you know, when I, I'm trying to put some music together now with... Uh, you know, through the past couple of years, it's been kind of rough. Da, da, da. My wife died and, and doing stuff like that. But anyway, I'm working with this group, man, called Soda Living, you know, uh, one co-producer on it. And, and we just finished some whole songs, man. Uh, pretty funky stuff, pretty good stuff. We kind of cross the board, you know, like different stuff. But anyway, I'm going to be back in touch with you, man, okay? See yeah. you later. I'm going to holler back at you. Excellent. Again, Fred, uh, I'm a huge fan of yours, and it's been an honor speaking with you today. Thank you so much. All right, man. You have a blessed day here. All right, you too. Thank you, Fred. All right, man. God bless. And again, that was the one and only Fred Thomas, longtime bass player for James Brown and the JBs. Hi there. My name is Jabbo Starks from the JBs, James Brown Orchestra, and you listen to the Five Count. Get some good music. Keep listening. Have a good day now. I got it. Hey! I got something that makes me want to shout. I got something that tells me what it's all about. Ah! Hey! Tell me what you're going to do. About that. Tell me what you're going to do. I got to know about that. Do you love the real? Do you know how I feel? Tell me what you're going to do. I need to dance. Come on. Now. 
Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. 
on. Cut it out. We're back. Oh, yeah. We're back. Hey, that was Fred Thomas. What a guy. He's got a bunch of shows coming up in uh, the New York City area. In case you're going to be around that that way, ton. Yeah, I know you kind of a jet setter. Wouldn't it be awesome to be like his age and still just doing whatever, like going to New York and playing shows and people actually like want to come see you? Wouldn't that be awesome? Or want to listen to you? Yeah. I'm still trying to make that work. Tom, I'm going to go over these in case you want to go to some of these shows. September 30th at Lunatico. Never been there, but I'm going on. All right. Lunatico, September 30th. Uh, October 1st, Mama Tried. October 14th, celebrating Naomi Shelton at Lunatico. And then on the 24th at the Panda Music New York City uh, LC Rooftop. Jalopy Theater on the 30th. And on Halloween, 110 North Wayne, Pennsylvania. Wow. You could probably make all those work if you time it out. Yeah. Take an Uber, as the kids say. Well, I don't think I can take an Uber from here to there. Why not? Also, what am I going to do with the newborn baby? Just take the baby along? Oh, man. Ton, you know that kids in public radio don't mix. I mean, are they going to be fine with, like... Why do you do this to yourself? diapers and stuff on... On there? Probably not. I guess I'll just go by myself. Sorry, man. It's just a part of life. It's one of those things that happens. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have two kids now, Dust. Two kids. If you'd have just quit your job like we had agreed on, but no. Then I wouldn't have two kids. <laughs> now I got no job and no friends to go with me to places I can't afford to get into. Well. Thanks a lot. Maybe it's for the best. Ton, here's a question from Billy Floyd Shouts. Oh, boy, here we go. He sent it to the five-count mailbag. This guy, here we go. You could send a question or a topic or an insult to the five-count mailbag numerous ways. You could get to us, and then we'll make it part of the show, and you'll be famous, sort of. Sort of famous. Here's what he says. With sexual misconduct allegations resurfacing about Ric Flair from 18 years ago, can we be done with him? I mean, there are plenty of wrestlers that could do car shield ads that haven't exposed themselves to flight attendants. Maybe give them a chance rather than give the likes of Flair, Hogan, and other notoriously awful people multiple high-profile chances. Signed, a disgruntled listener. Ton, all your heroes are turning out to be kind of scummy. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Luckily, Ton is my hero, so I never have to worry about something like this happening. I don't feel really good about it. I can say that. It bums me out. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say to that. I mean, I think uh, I think Floyd shouts, you're welcome to be done with him. You know what I mean? I think that's what it takes, right? Is for people to actually care about it and to be done with that person, to legitimately be done with them. So then you you know the people have to have to have to not care about that person and put that person aside, you know. Here's the dilemma though, Ton. When you're done with someone, are you done with them from this point on or do you have to be done with them retroactively? I don't know. Does this mean you I mean, can't think, enjoy things I, that have happened in the past? I think this point on for me is the way I usually go. 
Because it's just, to me, it's just too impossible. It's been too ingrained into my my memories, my psyche, all that stuff. Meaning, I, even though, yes, Hogan is not a great person. But if WrestleMania 3 is on and Hogan's match is on, I'm going to watch it. And I'm probably going to like have an emotional reaction and I'll probably, you know, have the roller coaster of ups and downs and be excited. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm going to go, oh, wow, what a, what a piece of garbage and then shut it off. I don't think I can, I don't know. I mean, cause it's a thing that happened and it was like an experience outside of whatever was happening, not there. And it's just I don't know. So now it's weird. Well, it's tough because if guys like Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Ted Nugent, a lot of your heroes yeah. from the past who turned out to be not real sweet, yeah. if they die, can you acknowledge it? Can you feel bummed? Can you do a tribute show or do you just have to say, eh, good riddance? I think you can acknowledge it. I mean, here's the, here's the other piece of the puzzle that's kind of tough that throws a wrench in all of it and what we can never truly know but if they are in a better place now if they are a good person now then it's also you know if if they've recognized their flaws and they've tried to go beyond them now you know it's not it's not our place to to fully judge them or put them somewhere or or, uh like disregard their their entire life or the legacy they left behind or what i don't think it's not it's not my place to do that so you know since we'll never know the answer to any of those questions you know if, if there's a place in your heart for that person at some point in time i don't think there's anything wrong with saying rest in peace i hope you know i hope the re- the, the latter half of their life was better than the first and you know thank you so much ton i i really feel like i'd like to just go back to a, a simpler time where we didn't have to worry about stuff like this you know i'm with you on that that's good, Ton, because this is the part of the program where we go back 10 years in five-count history. September 24th, 2011. Oh, It yeah. was you, it was me, and it was Susie Quattro. Yes! Remember when we had Leather Tuscadero on the program? Yes. I really liked it. That was 10 years ago this week. I thought it was awesome. Well, Ton is a big, big fan of Happy Days, but uh, I was a fan of... Susie Quattro in her leather jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. Go to thefivecount.com. Look up Susie Quattro and you'll see the, the jumpsuit we're talking about. Man. Doesn't seem... Somehow it seems like it wasn't 10 years ago, but also it was like 50 years ago that we yeah. did these yeah. shows. It does seem that way. What does that even mean? Does that mean we're finally growing up? Yeah, we're old is all that means. I, I like think. how I said it better, I think. Well, we just—it's just—it's—it's the way it is, you know. I don't know. Well, that was a good show, Tom. Glad you were there. It really was. Glad you're here now. Thank you so much. That was ten years ago in five count history. It was real quick because you know it's like a jam packed show tonight, so we got to move on. Yeah, man. In fact, we've got time to hear some more music from our guest. 
who we uh, spoke with earlier tonight, Fred Thomas. Yes. Ton is, uh, he's all about making it funky, if you know what I'm saying. I really am. I love it. I love the JBs. We'll be back after this.
This is Maceo. Yeah, you know me. James Brown, you call my name all the time. He's a Maceo. Blow your horn. And you're listening to the five count. That's one, two, three, four, five. Get down. Always remember, we love you. Maceo. Let me tell about this little bit. What you gonna play now? Bobby, I don't know. But whatsoever I play, it's got to be funky. Yeah. One, two, three, make it fun. Make it fun. Make it fun. I got to make it fun. Make it fun. Make it fun. Tell me, ain't it?
I said, are you ready to rock? Ton, you aren't ready to rock at all. Hey, welcome back to The Five Count. I'm so ready to rock. That was Lynn Collins, the female preacher, featuring the bass stylings of Fred Thomas. Man, really good stuff. It's been a great show, Ton. I'm sorry to see you go, but, uh, you know, it's just one of them things. I'm not going anywhere. Word on the street is uh, we might have another show next Saturday that might be taking place um, in the past, retroactively in the future. Yeah. In five minutes, but next week. Next week. Figure that out. Listen, next week sometime, I'm probably going to have another child, and Dusty's going to be gone at a concert somewhere just living the life. I'm going to see Megadeth. He's going to be loving his life, and I'll be, uh, you know, not sleeping. Son will be on paternity leave. Changing diapers, yeah. What are we going to do if you're, how much uh, time do you need? So much time. Like nine weeks of paternity leave? Full 12 weeks. 12 weeks. Yeah, I got a lot of, a lot of, uh, that's three months a lot of nursing that's the rest of the year ton am i supposed to do this show by myself for the rest of the year (laughs) just kidding no i don't have that option my wife's taking the full 12 weeks plus two weeks she's taking like 14 weeks wow she's taking the whole rest of the year yeah merry christmas to you merry christmas to her i have to go straight back to work as soon as possible you could just do what i did and walk out can't do it oh i can't either but i did and now look at me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got nothing. <laughs> Don't tell me you're joining the rest of the masses who is like, oh, what do you mean? They pay me more on unemployment, so forget this. Don't do that, Dust. Yeah, I don't know if that's a thing. That's what rich people want to tell you that poor people do, but it's not true. Well, I don't know what's going on. How I come can, everybody's I quitting their jobs? I can tell you jobs? that's a thing. Mostly because I worked for a person who was like that, which is one reason why I don't work for that person anymore. Because yeah. I got sick of like not just standing up and punching an old or- Orville Redenbacher looking yeah. dude in the face. Yeah. Yeah, you were unhappy there. <laughs> but if you don't want to be like Dusty and want to punch everyone and you want to be happy, just take yourself on over to thefivecount.com and check out all that we have to offer. There's tons of amazing things such so as... So much stuff. A YouTube channel with the Five Count Co-op episodes on there. That's us, Dusty and I, playing sweet old video games such as Pit Fighter. Yeah, Pit Fighter just dropped. Yes, it's awesome. Yeah. Let me just let you in a little secret. If you want to see me clean house all over Dusty, just wipe the floor up with dust Nobody and wants to all see the opponents. Nobody. Go ahead and watch Pit Fighter. Yes. Hey, join us on Patreon because Ton is with child and I'm unemployed. Yeah. <laughs> so we really need your your help now just, more than ever. Yeah, whatever you can. Just put. toss a dollar our way. We'll just split it 50-50. Literally 50 over. cents each. <laughs> Actually, it's more like probably 40, now 38 cents each after 38 cents. Patreon takes their cut. Yep. Thank you so much. If you got any money left over, you could go to Lori Dawn Ceramics. Yes. Halloween's coming up. You can get like nautical bats and creepy crabs yeah. and all sorts of things. She makes tons of really awesome stuff. Ornamental objects for all seasons and all holidays. Thanks to Fred Thomas for being on the show. Thanks to you for listening. Thank you so much. We'll catch you next time. See ya. Now, boys and girls, turn the record over.